Welcome to the Be Perfectly Healthy podcast, an integrative health podcast by Center for New Medicine. We created the Be Perfectly Healthy podcast as an extension of our mission to educate and empower individuals along their health journey. This integrative health podcast will bring you in-depth expert interviews on a plethora of health topics. Tune in bi-weekly for interviews on how to create a non-toxic lifestyle, integrative approaches to treating complex health concerns like diabetes, Lyme's, Hashimoto's, Crohn's, adrenal fatigue, mental, emotional, and spiritual health, cancer prevention, early cancer detection, integrative cancer treatments, and so much more. Through the Be Perfectly Healthy podcast, we hope to provide cutting-edge, science-based information you can use to create a happier and healthier life for you and your loved ones. Perfectly Healthy Podcast. I'm your host, Leanne Lindsay, and today we have Dr. Alexa Henderson back on the show to talk about the connection between stress and cancer specifically. So first we kind of break down what is the physiology of stress? This is something that we hear all the time, but we may not necessarily understand what's happening within the body when we're stressed and particularly when we're chronically stressed. But then we really bring the focus into why is stress more of an issue or need to be more of a priority when we're working with cancer patients. And then, of course, we dive into what are some of the tools and tips and treatments that can help us bring down and manage our stress, whether it's a treatment that we could do here at the center or just simple, easy, free things we can do at home. Dr. Henderson helps walk us through what some of those things are. So with that, please enjoy this interview with Dr. Henderson. Well, Dr. Henderson, welcome back to the Be Perfectly Healthy podcast. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. So today we are talking about stress, but a little bit more specifically related to cancer and cancer patients. But before we really get into all of that, I think it would be really helpful to kind of define what stress is, because it's a word that's thrown around all the time. But I don't think many of us really understand the physiology of what's happening when we're quote unquote stressed. Yeah, and so what happens with stress is stress can really be many different forms. It can be metabolic stress, so stress that's physiologically impacting our cells. And that would be things like toxins coming from the outside environment and lots of the different things that we fight internally, you know, viruses, bacteria, imbalances within our body that throw our body off kilter energetically and cause metabolic stress. Mm -hmm. Then there is emotional stress. Um, Interestingly, the two actually have the same mechanism of how they impact the body in a negative way. But we consider stress things like, oh, I have a stressful job, or my family's stressful, or my relationship is stressful. But really, the end result is a disruption in the energetics of our body, um, which can occur in many forms. But particularly, the outside influences of stress, whether it be personal, whether it be environmental, or whether it be physical, within our own body is impacting us on a cellular level every day. And can you, for anyone, for the geeks out there who really want to get into the nitty gritty, can you explain, right? Let's say like we've had a really stressful day. 
what is happening within our body? What hormones are getting produced? And then how is that kind of, in a sense, hijacking our system a little bit? Yeah, so what happens essentially is your adrenal glands that sit on top of your kidneys, they're the primary stress glands. And so they secrete a couple different hormones that are pretty critical for our survival. And one of them is cortisol. Cortisol is typically the primary stress hormone that you hear about. And that's secreted from the adrenal cortex, which is the outside of the adrenal gland. And so we respond to stressors with secretion of cortisol. And cortisol chemically disrupts all of our functions, but primarily our glucose. So cortisol elevates glucose and can contribute to chronic inflammation. If cortisol is elevated over long periods of time, it can completely dysregulate the body with regards to homeostasis, with regards to the ability to relax and sleep. And so cortisol should follow a diurnal pattern, meaning in the morning when we wake up and we're ready to go, the cortisol should be at the highest level because it's time to get up and move and relate. As the day goes on, our cortisol level should decrease so that by the time we're ready to sleep, the cortisol is at the lowest Mm -hmm. and we're ready to relax. So when you have a stressor, either usually it's chronic over multiple days or multiple years, those pathways become dysregulated. And so the cortisol can be elevated significantly. And typically how it occurs to begin with is the cortisol is significantly elevated and people are anxious and they have symptoms and they can be hyperglycemic. They can be anxious. Over time, the adrenal glands become exhausted and they're no longer able to sustain the high levels of cortisol. And that can lead to adrenal burnout or adrenal fatigue, Mm. which you hear of commonly. The second issue is the sympathetic nervous system. So in the adrenal medulla, we have um, the, the catecholamines, which are your fight or flight hormones. So that's sympathetic, so epinephrine, norepinephrine. And it's really important that our bodies are not in a constant state of fight or flight. You know, fight or flight is made for emergency situations, but when your body's in a constant state of sympathetic fight or flight, that's when diseases start to brew. That's when you have imbalances that can contribute to cancer, heart disease, and all other Mm. diseases because we need, as humans, a balance of the sympathetic, which is fight or flight, and the parasympathetic, which is rest or digest. I love it, and I'm so glad that you touched on sort of the cascade that we can get into. And I think all of us have been stressed at some point, but I think I can speak to myself recently with different life events going on being more stressed than normal and you do start to feel like my body's been hijacked Mm -hmm. i'm anxious i'm jumpy and i know i'm not normally like this and you but you start to feel like oh my god i've got stuck in this downward spiral Mm -hmm. how can i get out of this and we're going to touch on that but before we get there i want to bring it back to cancer and why stress is even more impactful when it comes to cancer and why it's even more important to really make it a priority to address with cancer patients? Yeah, that's a great question. And so just a couple different ways to look at this. So so cancer, uh, we always thought cancer was primarily a genetic disease, you know, coming from the nucleus of the cell, uh, meaning, you know, if your mother had breast cancer, you're at risk. And that is still true to some degree. But the advanced studies that have been done with cancer is cancer has really become an energetic disease. So a lot of what happens in our cell 
cells in the cytoplasm of our cells. We have mitochondria that are the energy producing cells of our body. Mm -hmm. So with cancer, the mitochondria is significantly impacted and that's on a deep, deep cellular level. So the chronic stress impairs, first of all, the energetics of our cell on a mitochondrial level, but also the high cortisol levels on their own Mm -hmm. have been shown to promote the growth of cancer in addition to the imbalance between parasympathetic and sympathetic. So those individuals that have a higher sympathetic tone that don't have the ability to tap in to their parasympathetic, which is rest and digest, that on its own causes and promotes cancer. Mm. In addition to high cortisol levels that are dysregulated over time, increase the blood sugar and blood sugar causes cancer and contributes to cancer. So there are multiple factors at play, but each of those imbalances on their own can contribute to the growth and promotion of cancer. I think this is so important to talk about because, first of all, maybe you're someone's on a conventional road to treating cancer, which they're not really even talking about the toxins in your life. But if you found a doctor who's like, we've got to start removing the toxins that are hindering your body's ability to function properly, They might say, okay, let's look at heavy metals, let's look at parasites, let's look at other infections, which are all great, but stress needs to be one of those quote-unquote toxins too, that we need to detox in a way, that we need to make sure this is no longer a factor hindering my body. Absolutely. That's absolutely true. And the emotional and the stress component are typically not really thought of in conventional medicine. And when you think about a cancer diagnosis, you're adding on now another layer of incredible stress and emotional trauma and PTSD that an individual that was never stressed before is now going to be overly stressed just from the diagnosis. Mm -hmm. So it is, you know, stress is a root cause cancer problem. Mm -hmm. And not just for cancer, but for all of diseases, including heart disease. So it is critical, as it would be with heavy metals or viruses or other root causes, to break that down and get to the root of that stress. And oftentimes, it's childhood trauma. Mm. which, you know, doesn't sound like that would make sense. But oftentimes the pathways that we develop as individuals that really determine how we handle stress are built in as children, Mm -hmm. you know. So as we age, we're we're kind of chronically adapting to form and develop and really rehabilitate those neural pathways, but they're deeply ingrained in us. Mm -hmm. And that that has to be addressed. Oh, I'm so glad you said that. So What I want to dive into is what are some of the different tools, tips that a cancer patient specifically can use to help start to re, you know, get the spiral going upward instead of downward. And I'm sure there'll be great tools for the individual. But what I think with cancer patients is they're probably already on an intense treatment plan. They're Mm -hmm. exhausted. They're maybe not feeling well. So are there anything that you found are things that they really can implement yeah absolutely and and so the first step is identifying you know that there is stress Mm -hmm. I have a lot of patients that tell me oh I have no stress Um, (laughs) which really everybody has stress but oftentimes the people that say they have no stress are internalizing meaning you know they're not it's not in their conscious mind that they know they have stress but it's all internal physiological Mm -hmm. so the first step is acknowledging 
And then from there, there are a variety of tools and techniques that we use mm -hmm. to try to reduce stress. And, and one of them is deep breathing. So when you deep breathe, you're able to balance your sympathetic and parasympathetic nervous system and have the parasympathetic take over, which is what you really need to prevent cancer, number one, but also to prevent cancers from growing. And there are studies on this that show that that, that parasympathetic-sympathetic balance that can be achieved by deep breathing, meditation, yoga, things like that, can really impact you on a cellular level. So that's critical. Critical. The other thing that we do with all of our patients is emotional therapy. Um, we do Evox therapy, which is an emotional tool that we use to measure essentially um, biofrequencies and provide biofeedback to identify and heal the pathways in our body that are damaged from a young age so that we can reprogram ourselves with positive positive energy mm -hmm. and really rebalance because our our neuronal networks are like pathways and it's kind of like a hiking trail where there's an established pathway and everything's laid out for you and you're used to walking down that path yeah but sometimes we have to form other paths that aren't as well tread if yeah. you will mm -hmm. to develop new habits especially if the that old childhood path is leading you off a cliff again and again and again. <laughs> right, right. And it's our natural tendency to cope using those pathways. Mm -hmm. But we really, all of us need to reprogram, mm -hmm. um, to maintain health. The other thing that I think is really important is is maintaining boundaries. Mm -hmm. And I know boundaries is a, a whole separate issue and probably another talk on its own. But there are so many things in the world that can impact us, you know, personally, um, being toxins, everything that's out there in the world, the stress that's out there in the world, the media, personal relationships. And so it's really important for all of us to shield ourselves mm -hmm. energetically from those things, um, having strong boundaries and doing the best we can to manage ourselves while keeping others although we love them at somewhat of a distance so that we can keep ourselves healthy mm -hmm. when there's clashing I'm really glad you mentioned that and I'd love to talk about it a little bit more in the sense of is this something you see a lot with cancer patients and family members who are interjecting a lot into their treatment plans maybe trying to tell them no this is what you should be doing and how do you, are there any tips for helping them navigate that a little bit? Yeah, that, that's a great question. And, and so just, um, just as a prelude to that, so one thing I have seen very regularly, especially lately, is a high degree of caregiver stress as it relates to cancer. Okay. Meaning um, women particularly who have taken care of a family member, like a loved one, an aged parent, or even a child in some circumstances, that leads to such an unbelievable caregiver burden that it impacts these people on a cellular level mm -hmm. and they end up with cancer. Mm -hmm. And I don't know what the link is exactly. Mm -hmm. I know that there are multiple cascades, as I had mentioned, that can occur, that can result in this sort of phenomenon but I think it gets back to with the caregiver and their involvement it gets back to the boundaries mm -hmm. because you're you know you're a human we're all people on our own and at the end of the day you know we may have family around us but we have to manage ourselves yeah. and so I find oftentimes with breast cancer patients that they've been the giving loving sacrificing everything for everybody else mm -hmm. and they've never taken care of themselves so so it's important 
to, to maintain your own energy and your own boundaries with the caregivers. You love them, but this is your time to heal. Mm-hmm. And it's important that, that you take control of your own health. Mm-hmm. It's so interesting how so many patients come in here with cancer, obviously wanting to heal from cancer, but the emotional journey they go on and the emotional healing that they go through is something one they did not expect at all mm-hmm. two they maybe were resistant to initially but then three once it they experience it they walk out of here emotionally feeling light as a feather that's right yeah that's right it's really amazing to see the transformation mm-hmm. you know my goal is to prevent people from getting to that point where they have to have a cancer diagnosis to to wake them up mm-hmm. you know because by the time you have cancer you know things are very dysregulated mm-hmm. so if we can educate the public about cancer prevention and incorporate some of these strategies, you know, to, to help people take care of themselves emotionally mm-hmm. and address the emotional stress and address their lifestyle, you know, and make sure that they're not absorbing the stress. And if they are, how do they mitigate that? Mm-hmm. That would be the perfect solution, yeah. you know, for no one ever to get cancer yeah. in an ideal world. And let's touch on a few more techniques, some, maybe some that are more treatments, some more things that you could do at home. Two that are coming to mind for me is, one, I know sauna is really good for reducing cortisol and different happy hormones. I know it helps boost serotonin and different things like that. But then also the one that comes to mind that I love is grounding mm-hmm. outside. Can you touch on those and then anything else that might come to mind too? Yeah, so grounding is a fantastic tool. And, and you know, with PTSD, you know, they do a lot of grounding exercises. So sometimes their brains can be a runaway train. You know, our brains are just worrying about things and we're not even conscious of it. So it's just going on in the background and we're physiologically responding to our emotions, but we're not really connected with ourselves. And so grounding is really helpful because it's similar to meditation and that it puts you in touch with yourself. And it's things like, okay, I'm standing on the grass, my feet are on the grass, that's a tree, you know, that's the sky. And it basically helps us connect with our physical bodies. It helps connect our brains to our physical bodies mm-hmm. in a very simple way. And it helps, it's one of the many tools, the simple tools that can reroute that circuitry mm-hmm. when we don't even realize what's happening. We're just caught up in our brains. And so it's a good way to integrate the two so that they're in union. And in case we, I should have defined it first, but grounding is essentially where you're putting your skin in contact with the earth's surface. Right. Whether it's grass, sand, I believe concrete, actually, you can ground on concrete. Um, I'm missing dirt, mm-hmm. different things like that. And it's so interesting. What I'll say is, one, it's free. So anyone can go outside and stand on their driveway. But I, you know, sometimes coming home from work, I'll just, the first thing I'll do is just go lay in the backyard for five minutes. And within five minutes, I really can feel almost like all of a sudden just a drop off of this tension, this sort of like angst that starts to fade away. So it has been really, really impactful for me. And again, something that is so easy and free and pleasant to engage in. 
Right. And, you know, we're all connected with the earth and we're all part of the particles and the energy around mm-hmm. us. And, you know, being in nature and lying down on the grass, you know, you're absorbing all that energy and you're right. breathing in the oxygen and, you know, you're exhaling the carbon dioxide and it's just all part of our life cycle. So it makes sense intuitively that, of course, that would help mm-hmm. because you're connecting with other other sources of energy mm-hmm. that are therapeutic for you. Yeah, exactly. Now, what about, I'm I'm curious about your input on the infrared sauna. We talk about it a lot for more like toxin detox and Mm -hmm. kind of sweating out toxins, but what is your take on it for emotional support? Right. So just being in the sauna, the infrared light is therapeutic on its own. Mm -hmm. And just being in the sauna with the ability to release to release the toxins, you're also releasing yourself emotionally. Mm. You know, and the heat on its own with the infrared light just helps with that overall detox of not only toxins, but also emotions. Mm. So, and it's also relaxing. So it helps activate those relaxing pathways and calm down the sympathetic nervous system. So it's beneficial on multiple levels. Mm. Yeah, oh my gosh, and it just feels so good. What about, so I want to talk a little bit about if you feel like for someone who maybe is coming in and going, yeah, I'm extremely stressed. I'm going to do all these things, but is there any supplementation I can take to just help calm the storm while I get control of this? Yes, absolutely. And so when we look at cortisol, cortisol in particular as one arm of the whole stress response, when the cortisol level is high, we do have adaptogenic herbs, ashwagandha, rhodiola, adaptogenic you know, herbs that will help calm the nervous system down, particularly with the cortisol. So that's when the cortisol level is high. If we get to the point where the adrenals flatline, which we do, unfortunately, in many circumstances, and we reach the adrenal fatigue, there is a separate set of supplements that we use to stimulate the adrenal gland so it depends on where you are in that Mm. spectrum really Mm -hmm. of the high to the medium to the low to the flat line depending on where you are that determines which supplement we use but all of them are adrenal adaptogens that are designed specifically to address the adrenal stress response depending on the level of of where you're at we also can't underestimate the importance of sleep Okay. Yes. Let's talk about that. So sleep is critical and we should be sleeping seven to eight hours a night and stress impacts sleep. So for sleep, melatonin is something that we give in addition to valerian root and Mm -hmm. some of the other herbs, but sleep is a critical part to this puzzle. Mm -hmm. So because if we're not sleeping, we're going to be more stressed and the cortisol regulation is going to be worse. And, And so supplementation for sleep typically with melatonin, although we have some other supplements that we use, is going to be another important piece. Mm -hmm. I'm so glad you brought that up because that is one of those cycles that can quickly also become that downward spiral where, like you said, poor sleep is making you more stressed, poor stress or high stress is making you not sleep well, and then you just get stuck and it can feel so hard to get out of that. So I love that you're mentioning the supplements. Can you talk to a little bit more about, I think this is really important though, why sleep, I think we underestimate what sleep is for. Mm -hmm. That I think we just think, oh, well, sleep is just a time when I kind of like recharge the battery. 
and then wake up. But there's so many things happening while mm-hmm. we're sleeping. Detox being one of those big ones. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and repair. You know, we our cells have to repair. Mm-hmm. You know, when you think about everything that we're going through on a cellular level on a daily basis with regards to the toxins, with regards to our jobs, our interpersonal relationships, our families, we need our bodies biochemically need to repair. Mm-hmm. And that's what happens at night with sleep. And so when you don't get that time, you know, you wake up in the morning and you've got to start all over again, basically running on an empty engine without repair. Mm -hmm. And like you said, it's a vicious cycle. You know, in addition to some of the biochemical neurotransmitters that we need during sleep, 5-HTP and some of the other, you know, serotonin analogs, we have to have those to be biochemically balanced to face the next day Mm -hmm. and to prevent that vicious cycle, Mm -hmm. you know, as, as you mentioned. And I think, too, what can be so frustrating, I've heard from different cancer patients, is with the treatments, some of the things they're going through, it's hard to sleep. Mm-hmm. Not just because of the stress, because they feel so sick, right? because maybe they just had chemo or something like that. And so what would you, what would be some tips in that instance that you might suggest? Right. So good sleep hygiene is really important. You know, not watching TV hours before you go to bed. You know, you turn on the TV and it's all violence for the most mm. part. And, and we assimilate that. Mm. And particularly women have a hard time. Men can watch, you know, a shoot 'em up movie. For women, that's really difficult to watch those things before bed. So I tell people nothing, you know, no TV, no electronics, at least two hours before bed. Keep the room cool. Keep the environment dark. Mm-hmm. Do some deep breathing and make sure that you're really preparing your body for sleep. Mm-hmm. And that's something that we don't do in our society. Not at all. <laughs> you know, because we're running, 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 and then, oh, it's nine o'clock, and now I have to shut my body off. Humans aren't built that way. Mm-hmm. You know, we need an acclimation phase to prepare ourselves mm-hmm. for sleep. I tell people to keep their electronic devices either turned off, the Wi-Fi turned off, and on the other side of the room so that EMFs aren't interfering with the cellular cycle and the energy. So those are some basic tips. I tell people to do meditation right before sleep, even if it's 10 minutes, Mm -hmm. even if all you can do is breathe. That on its own is going to help you have a Mm -hmm. restful sleep. Well, I'm so glad that you pointed out we need this assimilation phase. I think we do really feel like whatever. Okay, I go to bed at nine. I'm going to be doing, 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 doing. And then at 8.58, I'm going to lay down in bed and like hope that I magically pass out really quickly. (laughs) Right. It's not going to happen. No. And then that causes us more stress of like, oh my gosh, I'm not falling asleep. I'm not falling asleep. Right. So I love that, you know, plan for me, it's sort of like my bedtime's nine o'clock, a little bit early. And so eight o'clock is the cutoff of like 8 p.m. I start preparing for bed and it's, you know, I'm brushing my teeth, I'm doing my stretching, I'm doing my meditation so that by the time nine o'clock rolls around, I'm already in bed. I've been in bed for a little bit and I doze off really quickly. Yeah. And I can't underestimate the importance of rituals. Mm -hmm. You know, rituals around your bedtime that you do this or you put an oil in the diffuser and you have tea or, you know, different patterns that you have that you do every night. Mm -hmm. That really helps people. That really helps people sleep. And it also prepares the body physiologically. You know, your body knows I'm doing this every night and it falls into that natural rhythm. Yeah. And I think it can feel at first like a bit of a burden. Oh, one more thing I have to do. But 
really, first of all, once you do get into that routine or that rhythm, you're going to feel so much better. You're going to sleep so much better, whatever it is that you'll be like, oh, I think I want to keep doing this. But then it becomes this thing of instead of a burden, it's like, oh, my gosh, I get to do this. I get to spend the next hour brushing my teeth slowly and peacefully, not rushing through all the motions. And that in and of itself is an affirmation to the body that I I love myself, I see myself, I care for myself. That's right. And that's a really important point too, because it's not really valued in our society, that caring for yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, it's valued, we care for others, we work ourselves, you know, until we can't work anymore. Those are the, the values that our society holds as important. Mm-hmm. And self-care really isn't on that list. Mm-hmm. So we, we really have to reprogram ourselves and, and say, hey, it's okay mm-hmm. for me to spend 15 minutes brushing my teeth. It's okay because that's what I need for me to be healthy. And really, you know, we all have to put our own oxygen masks on before we care for others. Mm -hmm. And that self-care is what gives us the energy Mm -hmm. to be more productive. So it's it's very interesting that it's kind of a catch-22 with everything that society wants us to do. But what we really need to do to be productive is uh, almost an opposite of that. Mm -hmm. And I think that comes back to your point of the boundaries, which is you know, maybe when I first started trying to implement my my 8 p.m. wind down routine, my partner would be like, oh, but I want to do this with you and I want to do this with you. And now he knows it's just the routine and he knows this is something that is significantly going to improve my sleep and my my well-being. But yeah, sometimes people are being a block unintentionally. Mm-hmm. There, You know, there's love there behind it, but that's where it comes in of, you know what, actually, this is a new boundary that I'm setting, or this is a new routine I'm trying to implement. Here's why. Let me explain it to you. There's a lot of reasoning behind this. Right. You know, give me two weeks to try this out and see how I feel. Yeah, I I love that. And, you know, particularly with our loved ones, I think it is important to explain, hey, this is what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. This is my experiment, if you will. Um, But at the end of the day, you know, some people don't require as much time, you know, particularly at night. Mm -hmm. Um, And some people can shut down more quickly. But I think it's important that we all as individuals know what it is for us Mm -hmm. that we need, Mm -hmm. you know, because at the end of the day, that's really all we have. Yeah. And taking the time to figure it out. Right. I think so many, we don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Do I fall asleep? This, that, do I need this? Do I need that? And make a game out of it. You right. know, like you said, you're experimenting a little bit and give yourself permission to do just that. I know we also can get, especially myself, very dogmatic with some of the things. Sometimes my ritual is too dogmatic where when a certain piece of it isn't serving me anymore, I have to check in and go, oh, Actually, I think I'm needing something else in this routine now. And then being able to recognize that and pivot. But all of it comes back to also creating that space to just tune in. Absolutely. What am I actually feeling? What am I actually needing today? Right, right. And that's where the, you know, the brain and the emotional and the physical integration comes in, Mm -hmm. which is critical. Mm -hmm. It's it's critical for our well-being and our health. Mm -hmm. And it can be scary at first, I think, to some people, maybe they don't want to ask, how am I doing? What am I needing? Because the answer might be, you're not doing so good and you need a lot. Yeah. Um, And that's okay. And there's some other 
more wonderful, wonderful tools like Evox Mm -hmm. for that person who's realizing I really need a lot of support right now. Right. And that is totally okay. And there are tools out there. And, and of course, then all the things that we can do at home. Right. Absolutely. And it is hard to admit, you know, I have patients all the time that just tell me I have no stress. Mm-hmm. Um, but then their spouse will say, oh, no, you know, you have stress. Yeah. Um, and it's typically the people that say they don't have stress, but are just internalizing it to the degree where they can't even admit it. Mm-hmm. You know, that's when we really have to start doing work. Mm-hmm. Every human needs emotional work. It's you know, not just cancer, every single human, because we're all physical, emotional, spiritual beings. Mm -hmm. And we, we all need to do emotional work. Um, It's critical. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Well, Dr. Henderson, thank you so much. This has been wonderful. I can't wait for our patients, for our audience to be able to listen to this. Thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here. Yes. Until next time. Thank you so much.